Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super-duper successful. So the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, I hope that in this year to come, you make mistakes because if you're making mistakes, then you're making new things, trying new things, learning, living, pushing yourself, changing yourself, changing your world. You're doing things you've never done before. And more importantly, you're doing something. And that's from Neil Gaiman. The title of today's show is Your Greatest Teacher your mistakes seven ways that we can learn from our mistakes because you do know that the greatest teacher that you will ever have is the experiences and the mistakes that you've made in life don't let them go to waste use them to make you a better stronger person all right i want to thank everyone for listening want to remind you if you ever want to go back and re-listen to any of the old shows we have over 150 in the archives you can go to my website www.powerhh.com or you can find me on iTunes. Just do a search for Coach Mark or Power and a Half Hour in the podcast section. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is The Real Mark Star. The Real Mark Star or Mark Star. On Instagram and Twitter, it's at Coach Mark Speaks. And I have a daily message service for all my listeners in the United States. To get those messages for free, all you have to do is text the letters BBD to 411247. Now, if you're not in the United States, all you got to do is just make sure that we're friends on Instagram and Facebook. And that way you'll be able to see because I post those messages every single day, all right? And if you haven't downloaded my book, you can download it for free at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right, we have an absolutely amazing show today, so let's Profile go ahead and get one, started. Robert Bob Johnson. Now, Bob was born in Hickory, Mississippi, the ninth of ten children. His mother was a school teacher and his father was a farm worker. When he was a child, his parents moved to Freepoint, Illinois, where both of them became factory workers to earn better wages and get away from the discrimination in the South. Now, while in high school, Bob was an honor student. In 1964, Bob attended the University of Illinois, where he was a history major. After he graduated in 1968, he went to Princeton, who at the time, they were looking to recruit minorities. There he received his master's degree. When Bob graduated, he didn't think of going into business. He had a series of jobs working for the Corporation of Public Broadcasting, the National Urban League, and as a press secretary for the first Washington, D.C. delegate to the House of Representatives. In 1977, he was introduced to Bob Schmidt, the president of the National Cable Television Association, and he became vice president for governmental relations. Bob would have the opportunity to meet the leaders of the cable industry, and he developed a friendship with the president and CEO of TCI, John Malone. Now, John told Bob that if he had any ideas, he would be interested in supporting it. Now, as an African-American, Bob had a desire to demonstrate the potential of African-Americans to create value, wealth, and opportunity. Bob wanted to share the stories of African-Americans that mainstream media was not covering. With the evolution of cable TV, the potential was there to reach niche markets that couldn't be reached with broadcast television. 
Bob told John Malone about his idea of creating black entertainment television, BET. It was 1979, and John had an interest in seeing minority cable happen because he had a station in Louisville that had a large black population. John decided to invest the first half million dollars in BET. John bought 20% of the company for $180,000 and loaned Bob $320,000. By using this strategy and using the bulk of the investment as debt, BET would remain a minority-controlled company. Now, John knew that Bob would ultimately work harder for himself than he would for him. Now, as the company grew, John put more money in his debt and all of it was paid back. John's initial $180,000 investment would earn him $700 million in stock when BET was eventually sold. By partnering with John, it gave Bob access to one of the leaders in their industry. Even with John's help, BET still encountered many problems along the way. Bob's first problem when starting BET was persuading cable operators to carry the programming. Back then, the cable system had 20 to 30 channels. Most operators would tell Bob that they only had 5% of African Americans in their market. They would ask him, why should they give a channel to him? Bob would always tell them that quality entertainment was colorblind and the industry had to show politically that it was diverse to be deregulated. Another early issue for Bob was that there was a lack of black programming. All the successful shows, such as The Cosby Show, The Jeffersons, and Good Times were all on the broadcast networks. BT would end up licensing black-oriented movies from studios that weren't being released, and they developed original programming with African-American creators. BT was launched January 25, 1980, broadcasting two hours a week on Friday nights and reached 3.5 million households. In 1981, MTV didn't play black artists, so this gave BET an opening. They got free music videos from the record companies, and they also played black college football and black gospel music. BET served a unique audience that other businesses had overlooked. Now, 11 years after starting BET, Bob decided to take the company public, and in 1991, they became the first African-American company to be traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Eight years later, Bob and John decided to buy the company back and take it back private. Shortly after, in 2000, Viacom offered to buy BET. In 2001, Bob sold the company to Viacom for $3 billion, and he stayed on as the CEO through 2006. Now, just I want you guys to keep in mind, Bob Johnson started this company with no money out of his pocket. He got an investor to put in $180,000, and he got that same investor to loan him $320,000. And then what? 20 years later, he sold it for $3 billion. So that just shows the importance of partnering with the right people. Now, after Bob sold BET, he started RLJ Development and purchased six hotels and became the largest African-American hotel owner in the U.S. Today, they have 144 hotels, and RLJ Developments is worth $2.8 billion. Bob also owns some car dealerships, and his auto company is the largest minority-owned auto dealership in the country. Bob is also the former majority owner of the Charlotte Bobcats until he sold it to Michael Jordan and was also the first black billionaire in the United States after he sold BET to Viacom. 
There's a lot that we can learn from Bob Johnson. So let's now take a look at some of his advice. I want you guys to keep in mind that this man started his business with no money out of his pocket. And right now he's worth $3 billion. $3 billion with no money out of his pocket. Number one, Bob says, first and foremost, believe in yourself. It starts there. If you believe that you can achieve, then you can convince people to follow you. Then support will come to you and strategic partners will come to you. Your market opportunities will open up because you're able to articulate passionately what you believe. When you passionately believe in yourself, your mission becomes easier. Number two, establish strategic partnerships. That's exactly what he did. Have people who will go to bat for you, vouch for you, or take a risk for you when you need it. Make these friendships before you need them. Number three, create a brand identity. Your brand is your personal character. What you say, how you carry yourself, and how you respond to people. You have to be able to project a sense that there's value in knowing you. And number four, let the people who work for you know that you're all in it together. If I make money, you'll make money. If I'm here working until midnight, you need to be here working until midnight. They get to ride up the elevator with you, and if you don't go up, they're in the same position. And this is such an amazing story. I hope you guys learned some really great lessons from this story. Sometimes you don't need all the money to get started, but you might need to know the right people that do have the money that you need to get started. Here it is. He got an investor to put in $180,000 and loan him $320,000, and they were able to turn that in 20 years to a company that they could sell to Viacom for $3 billion. Profile number two, Jimmy Choo. Now, Jimmy was born in Malaysia into a family of shoemakers. As a child, he was immersed in the art of shoemaking as his father taught him how to make shoes. By age 11, Jimmy had already made his first pair of shoes. In the early 80s, when Jimmy was around 20, he decided to leave Malaysia and make his way to England to pursue footwear and shoe designing at what is now the London College of Fashion. In order to pay for his education, Jimmy took up several part-time jobs at restaurants and worked as a cleaner at a shoe factory. After graduating from school in 1986, he started working at a shop, which he opened by renting an old hospital building. Two years later, in 1988, his creations were featured on eight pages in an issue of Vogue magazine, and this extra exposure helped to launch Jimmy. Two years later, in 1990, Princess Diana of Wales noticed his work and soon became a loyal customer. In 1996, Jimmy founded Jimmy Choo Limited with Tamara Mellon, the British Vogue magazine accessories editor. They opened their first store in London. Two years later, the company expanded to the U.S., opening two stores in New York City and Beverly Hills. In 2001, Jimmy sold his 50% of the company for $30 million. By 2003, Jimmy Choo Limited launched a handbag line, and by 2004, they had 23 stores worldwide. In that same year, the company was sold for $190 million. Now, by 2007, the company had 60 stores and was sold to a management firm for $430 million. By 2011, Jimmy Choo Limited expanded into perfume and eyewear. The company again was sold to a German luxury goods firm for $850 million. 
Now, by 2014, there were 177 Jimmy Choo stores in 34 countries, and in July of 2017, Michael Kors bought Jimmy Choo for $1.2 billion. This is a company that was just made by a little shoemaker, a little guy that, w- that, that rented out a space at an old abandoned hospital, and it turned it into a company that was sold for $1.2 billion. Now, Jimmy is currently involved in a project to set up a shoemaking institute in Malaysia. Let's now take a look at some of the lessons that we can learn from Jimmy. Number one, be innovative, foster talent, and enjoy what you do. Jimmy says that if you don't create something new and not love what you do, it is very difficult to succeed. He says that he's not scared of people copying his designs, ideas, or inspiration. He's worried that they will become lazy and not come up with new designs. Number two, to have a strong superstructure, first you must have a strong foundation. This is very important. Jimmy says that he designs like an architect. If the foundations aren't right, the building won't stand upright. And if a woman's balance isn't right, nothing else is. Number three, stay hungry and stay foolish. Jimmy says that he never claims that he is successful because this gives him a reason to keep on learning and to be a good student. Now, this guy is one of the top shoe designers in the world. One of the top shoe designers in the world. But he still considers himself a student because he knows that there's still so much more that he can learn. Number four, give back to your community in the way you know how to. Now, although donating money is a great way to give back to your local community, you can also give back by imparting your skills to the young. Jimmy is planning to launch a shoe academy worldwide with the first to open in Malaysia. Jimmy says that he is still designing shoes and sketching. He says that he can't go without designing shoes because he loves it so much. He's so passionate about it. He is still training young people and working with them closely. Last year, he went back to the London College of Fashion and helped to raise money for young students. Jimmy spends the majority of his time raising money for charities and education, although he still designs shoes. Number five, giving your son a skill is better than giving him 1,000 pieces of gold. Jimmy says that his father never forced him to make shoes or design them. He told him that if he has a skill, then he can get a job wherever he traveled in the future. He suggested that he learned something good. Now, the most important life lessons that we will ever learn will be from the bad decisions that we make. Time and experience are excellent teachers when we actually learn lessons from our poor decisions. We have to remember that good judgments come from experience and experience comes from poor judgment. Let me repeat that. Good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from poor judgment. If we don't learn from our mistakes, we run the risk of repeating them. We must develop the wisdom and sense to make good decisions and choices. We only develop good judgment when we truly learn from our mistakes. Let's now take a look at some of the reasons why making mistakes are important. Number one, mistakes help us to discover who we truly are. With every mistake that we make, we discover more and more about ourselves, about who we are, about our limits, about our capabilities, and about what we can and cannot do. They help us to be more compassionate and more tolerant with ourselves and others. Number two, mistakes teach us valuable life lessons. By making mistakes, we will in fact learn valuable life lessons and also become a happier learner. 
There's so much we can all learn from our mistakes, and the moment we see them as lessons rather than mistakes, we will no longer have this crazy fear of experiencing them along the journey. Number three, mistakes teach us how to forgive. One of the greatest lessons that we learn from making mistakes is forgiveness. With every mistake that we make, we will learn how important it is to forgive ourselves and many of the people around us. We learn to understand that we are not perfect and that perfection doesn't really exist. Only our intentions of doing our best. Furthermore, if we were perfect, then that would leave no room for improvement. Number four, mistakes help us to let go of fear. Life isn't about avoiding mistakes, but rather embracing the idea that mistakes will come your way and be willing to learn from those mistakes. Let go of your fears and allow yourself to really experience life. Number five, mistakes teach us how to live a life without regrets. Now, if we always play it safe, we end up having more and more regrets about the things we didn't do rather than the things we did do. We end up regretting not making more mistakes. And number six, mistakes help us to grow and evolve. If you don't make mistakes, how can you expect to grow and to evolve as a human being? How many of us get stuck because we allow the fear of making mistakes to paralyze us? How can we expect to learn anything new if we don't allow ourselves to make mistakes? And number seven, mistakes teach us how to be happy. We gain confidence, courage, and experience every time we make a new mistake in a very narrow field, and in time, we get better and better at the things we love to do. We can't forget that Thomas Edison made more than 10,000 mistakes while working on the light bulb, and he learned from each and every single one of those mistakes, and that's why we now have light. Let's now take a look at some of the things that mistakes teach us. Number one, Mistakes teach us to clarify what we really want and how we want to live. Noticing and admitting our mistakes helps us to get in touch with our commitments, what we really want to be, do, and have. Mistakes wake us up and focuses our attention. The urgency created causes us to focus on issues or problems that make us feel off track. Working on possible solutions, redefining what we want or expect, or re-examining our values or goals can lead us to more clarity about our path. Number two, mistakes teach us to accept ourselves and that we can be flawed and be loved. Mistakes help us to fully appreciate ourselves even while acknowledging our screw-ups. It is possible to laugh at our mistakes and then work hard to correct them. Most of us have a long history of putting ourselves down when we mess up, but it's a self-defeating habit we must break so that we can start appreciating ourselves, mistakes and all. The people who love and care about us will stick with us through all of our flaws and struggles. Our imperfections are what makes us unique. Number three, mistakes teach us to accept our faults and face our fears. Sometimes even our best efforts just don't work out. We might do everything possible to achieve a certain result and still fail again and again. When this happens, we can admit that we're stuck. Facing mistakes often takes us straight to the heart of our fears. When we experience and face those fears, they can disappear. When we are stuck and admit that we can't do it alone, it sends a signal and opens the door for help to show up. People resources and solutions will appear especially when we ask for help number four mistakes teach us through analysis and feedback about what works and what doesn't work 
Mistakes are a reality check. When we experience the consequences of mistakes, we get a clear message about which of our efforts are working and which are not. The feedback we get from our mistakes can be the most specific, pointed, and powerful feedback we'll ever get. Many times, we can trace mistakes to recurring patterns of belief or behavior, things we do, say, and think over and over again. When we spot and change a habit, we may find that the other areas of our lives change for the better. One way to gain maximum benefit from mistakes is to examine them through the filter of powerful questions such as, number one, how can I use this experience? Number two, what will I do differently next time? And number three, how will I be different in the future? Let me repeat these questions. Number one, how can I use this experience? Number two, what will I do differently next time? And number three, how will I be different in the future? These type of questions help us define solutions. Number five, mistakes teach us to take responsibility. Sometimes our instinctive reaction to a mistake is to shift blame elsewhere. It's not my fault, or you never told me about that, or I don't see how this has anything to do with me. It is more empowering to look for our role in the mistake. Taking responsibility for a failure may not be fun, but the act of doing so points out what we can do differently next time. Investigating our role reminds us that our choices and our actions have a huge influence on the quality of our lives. And number six, mistakes teach us about integrity. Mistakes often happen when we break promises, overcommit, agree to avoid conflict, or fail to listen fully. Big mistakes often start as small errors. Now, over time, tiny choices that run against our values or goals can accumulate into breakdowns. Even our smallest choices have power, so it's important we pay attention to the integrity of the choices we make every day. Mistakes can be a signal that our words and our actions are out of alignment. In that case, we can re-examine our intentions, reconsider our commitments, and adjust our actions. And number seven, mistakes teach us to engage in our lives, to live fully. We are not our behaviors, and we are more than our mistakes. We can remember that our history does not have to predict our future, and then remember that we have an opportunity to go all in to participate fully. Many people, when faced with a big mistake, begin to pull back, to retreat. Instead, we can use the failure as evidence that we are growing, risking, and stretching to meet our potential. Mistakes help us to remember that we are not content to play it safe that we understand that without risk, there is sometimes and most times no reward. Now let's take a look at seven ways that we can learn from our mistakes. Number one, take 100% responsibility. Accepting responsibility makes learning possible. Blaming others for your mistakes will neither get you anywhere nor do you any good. As soon as your situation starts going south, make the only mature and responsible move possible. Stand up and own up to the mistake. Let me repeat that. Stand up and own up to the mistake. Take 100% responsibility. Accept the consequences and be part of the solution to the problem. The sooner you accept responsibility, the sooner the problem is identified, the sooner a resolution is possible, and that minimizes consequences. Number two, pinpoint the cause of the mistake. Knowing why you made the mistake is key in learning from it. 
Pinpointing the cause will also help you avoid repeating it next time. Determine the specific action or lack of action that led to the mistake. Figure out what triggered the series of missteps. Take the time to look into the events, and if there are things that need to be improved, take some time to work on them. Make the necessary changes to see the positive results. Number three, don't equate making mistakes with being a mistake. Don't beat yourself up over the mistakes that you made. You are not expected to be perfect except by yourself. With every mistake that you make, you discover more about yourself, about who you are, about your limits, your capabilities, and about what you can and cannot do. Number four, growth starts when you see room for improvement. Making mistakes makes you understand that you are not perfect and perfection doesn't really exist. Only your intentions of doing your best. Perfection leaves no room for improvement. It's the mistakes that give you room for improvement, room for growth. Know that the lessons you will learn and master out of all the mistakes you make along your way through life are most important. Number five, move on fearlessly. The fear of being nothing, achieving nothing, and becoming nothing should be way bigger than the fear of making mistakes. You cannot change the mistakes that are made in the past, but you can take the lesson learned and apply it when necessary. The moment you see mistakes as lessons rather than mistakes, you will no longer have this crazy fear of encountering them along your journey. Number six, apologize if necessary. If an apology is in order, make it a real apology. Apologizing for a mistake that you made which affected someone can make a big difference. By apologizing, you are showing courage. It makes you an authentic and sincere person. It takes courage to stand in front of someone and admit that you did something wrong. And number seven, keep your eyes on the big picture. You gain confidence courage and experience every time you make a new mistake and in time you will get better and better at the things you love to do when you know exactly what you want and when you're able to see this in your mind's eye nothing not one mistake can stop you from moving forward or stop you from achieving your dream all right well that's all that we have for today's show want to remind you if you want to go back and re-listen to not only this show but any of the previous shows you can go to my website www.powerhh.com or you can find me in iTunes in the podcast section. Just do a search for Coach Mark or Power in a Half Hour. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is Mark Star or The Real Mark Star. On Instagram, it's at Coach Mark Speaks. Now, I know you got three friends that could have learned something great if they would have listened today. So make sure you share this with them. Tell them about the radio station that you're listening to this on. Or you can have them go to my website and they can check out not only this episode, but any of the previous over 150 episodes that we have. So make sure you share this with your friends. And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, what do you first do when you learn to swim? You make mistakes, do you not? And what happens? You make other mistakes. And when you've made all the mistakes you possibly can without drowning, and some of them many times over, what do you find? that you can swim. Well, life is just the same as learning to swim. Do not be afraid of making mistakes for there is no other way of learning how to live. What an amazing quote. And that's from Alfred Adler. Thank you much. And until next show. 
Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Starr. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week.